The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, Ed Meyer. And good evening and welcome to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking the time to tune in each and every week as we talk about the Sport of Kings, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. Right here, same place. Winning Ponies is right here for you. Speaking about being right here for you, Winning Ponies is in Fuego, on fire for Preakness 135, especially the Dixie Stakes. We'll get into that here shortly enough. And we have plenty of testimonials talking about the scores that they took down. Heck, maybe even be hearing from a few, hopefully we will, for some folks later. So stay tuned as we might have some voices giving us a little jingle letting us know what's going on in the wide, wide world of racing. And if you missed the Preakness, you missed a lot. You know what? I don't even think I, I don't even think it does dignity to it. Actually, in my opinion, I think the best horse won. A little disappointed in Super Saver, but we're going to jump on that as well. What is happening tonight? Recap of last week's second Jewel weekend. What a weekend it was. Biggins and testimonials. Special guest this week, Daily Racehorse Calmness, Equibase Chart Caller, Professional Gambler, Man Who Calls Races, and did I touch on Professional Gambler, Mr. John McDoolin to be joining us. Johnny's a good man, good man of racing. I give that little moniker to those that actually, they get their head together and they know what's happening in the game. Pistol Pete Aiello, another gentleman who fits that bill, will be giving us a little jingle later on the show. Giving out a little Ohio pick four, Ohio 50-cent pick four, one of the hottest wagers going. And some industry thoughts. Always good to hear from Pete. And final furlong handicapping with yours truly. Might squeeze a few winners in. So let's kick it up and let's get started. we got a little recap stories, et cetera. And let's kick it off with Pimlico. Last week, last Saturday, May 15th, race number six, the Chick Lying Stakes, $100,000. Winners of three comments there are Robbie Alvarado, wins by three and three parts of a length. Pressed, solid hand ride home for 340 for Mike Stidham. Impressive indeed, Robbie A. Race number seven, the James W. Murphy Stakes, a mile on the weeds. $50,000 guaranteed. Winners of two, Bo Choi. Javier Castellano, one of the best men to have on the turf. Wins by a length and three quarters. Wide at the quarter pole, driving down the lane, 680 to win for Barkley Tag. Very nice conditioner. Race 8 at Pimlico. William Donald Schaefer stakes grade three, mile and a 16th on the dirt. 50 large. Winners of seven, Blaine, Garrett Gomez. Length and a half. 
rail bid between and ridden out 440 to win Al Stahl. While these names are coming back, if you go back on podcast, I bet you're going to hear them. Not a tap on my back, but hopefully a tap in your wallet. Blame goes on the score very nicely. Race number nine at Pimlico, the Galloway Handicap, grade three, a mile 16th on the turf, 100,000 up for grabs. What a race this was. Winner for Rainbow View, Julian Le Peru. Went by half a length, steadied early and driving. And I have to say, go back and watch this race again. You're going to see race riding at its best. Rainbow View wins. Ave with Mike Smith was going to win this race, no doubt about it. Lay Peru just kept him down along the rail and did a little old-time race riding. Kept him from winning. Mikey Smith was rolling, 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 rolling. Rainbow View scores 3D to win for Jonathan Shepard. Quite a tandem these guys make. Race 10, the Maryland Sprint of grade 3. Six on the dirt, 100 grand. Winners the 8 to Quarab. Abarcoa. Wins by a length. Too wide. Resolute in the drive. 28-60 to win for Kier McLaughlin. Incredible. Race number 11, the Dixie. Grade 2, a mile and an eighth on the turf. $150,000 guaranteed. Winner, winner, chicken dinner goes to the eighth strike. A deal, Ramon Dominguez. Three parts of a length. Slow pace and driving. This guy's got a clock in his head like Big Ben. That's right, three-quarters of a length, $30.20. Alan Goldberg is the conditioner. Speaking of one of the better guys, he's on hold right now. My good man, Johnny McDoolin. We're going to be getting to him here shortly. Race number 12 is the Preakness Stakes. Grade 1, a mile and three-sixteenths on the dirt. Second jewel of the Triple Crown, a million up for grabs. Winner, number seven, looking at Lucky. Martin Garcia aboard. Yep, you heard it right. Garrett Gomez was taken off, not because he was in the bad box. Sometimes riders and horses just don't fit together. And we'll touch on that with Johnny McDoolin. I, I know how much he actually likes to talk about jockeys. But actually, Martin Garcia had him about three wide at the half. I know he, he must have run at least a half mile further than everybody else. Three quarters of a length, four bid, dual driving. In second was first dude. Shocked the world. Did incredible numbers there. Second at almost 24 to run. Third was the sixth, Jackson Ben, Mike Smith aboard. Run a beautiful race. Jackson Ben has been as consistent as the day is long. Angled out of the 316, came between, very game. This thing kind of caught me a little off guard. Rounding out the Super was the five, Yoana Twist, Edgar Prado. Run fourth, tight at the start, steadied, five wide and hung. I guess so. The only thing that didn't happen to him is he didn't stop for a hot dog. Yoana Twist and Edgar Prado coming into their own. And if you're looking for a Super Saver finish, how about eighth? Eighth as the beaten favorite. Burrell said his cards just folded. But look at the lucky. Congratulations goes on to Team Baffert, Carl Watson, Mike Pagram, and Paul Whiteman. 680 to win, 460 to place, 380 to show. Second, the 11 first dude, 1669 20. Third, the 6 Jackson Ben, 660 to show. $2 pick three, 
1643.60, the pick four, 3,594.80. Get this dollar pick six, 14,466 even. Two dollar double, eight and seven, 117.20. Two dollar black eyed Susan and Preakness double, 89.60. Two dollar exacta, 711, 188.60. One dollar super, 17,126 even. If you're lucky to have enough, the Super high five for a deuce, sixty-one thousand fourteen dollars and forty cents, and two-dollar try seven eleven six, two thousand seven seventy-one even. Bad part about it, we're not even going to have ourselves a two-part winner of the crown. Super Saber wins the Derby, looking lucky, wins the Preakness, and both are opting out of the Belmont, the hundred forty-second running of the Belmont which takes place Saturday, June 5th. According to Bob Kierkefer, UPA race rider, looking at Lucky's victory in Saturday's Preakness means there will not be a Triple Crown winner for at least another year. That is right, Bob. And trainer Bob Everett's decision not to run the Colt back in the Belmont means we're even going to have a different winner, Bob Kierkefer. Good stuff here. Really good stuff. He said, first dude's trainer, Dale Roman, said he is eager for the Belmont. First dude, named after Todd Palin, Sarah Palin's husband. What a race that was. Horse racing, Triple Crown run ends for Patio Prado. Going to get a little vacation after his Triple Crown fiasco is over. He may return to the turf where he could be pointed towards the $600,000 Virginia Derby on July 17th. We'll be talking to our man Tyler Picklesheimer in between now and then because he is all things racing at Colonial Downs. Preakness State. Attendance up, handled down. Down about 8.6%. Hey, but they did open the infield this year. You could, quote, get your pre-con. Many people did. They had the $20 beer mug with unlimited refills. John McDoolin could lay a hurting on them, at least making them pay tenfold for that. 33,200 announced in the infield. Good to see that some things don't die. I wonder if they had the running of the portalettes, where people actually run across the top of the portalettes and they, they bean them with full cans of beer. Sound like fun, huh? Not to this player. Platcher on Super Saver. Two weeks was too short. You know, I, I read that, and, and it's like, you know, that's, that's his feelings, and, you know, I, I have the utmost respect for Todd Bletcher. But it was two weeks for everybody, Todd. It was two weeks for everybody. Super Saver was, was all out in the Derby, caught a muddy track. A little different going at Pimlico, Maryland. But, hey, Todd Butcher, super trainer, got the monkey off his back. He's got a Derby under his belt. And you know what? I think we're going to see Super Saver down the line. No Belmont for Lucky, Bamford says. He's shipping home in the immediate aftermath. He made no plans where he would ship. That's breaking my heart. No Belmont shipping home, Baffert said in a text message to the Pollock Report. His decision means that Belmont will not have an either Derby or Preakness winner in the starting lineup. Wow. Has not occurred since 2006 after Derby winner Barbaro broke down the Preakness and Bernardini won the Triple Crown Middle Jewel passed on the race. Good luck. Good luck, boys, because we want to see him come back. Javier Castellano captures Pimlico Jockey Challenge. And 
did it in fine fashion, riding the winners of the third and seventh races, earning 24 points and the $14,000 top prize. DeSormo had one win and a second and a fourth, wound up with 22 points. 32-year-old native of Venezuela was the regular rider for 2004 Horse of the Year Ghost Zapper. Gaslana finished second to DeSormo in last year's challenge by a similar two-point margin, 22-20. to 20. Feels so great, Gaslana said. It worked out great last year and got beaten the last race. So he turns it around this year. Javier, hope you do something very nice with that money. Skip away. Dies of a heart attack. Three-time Eclipse Award winner in 1998 Horse of the Year died Monday, May 14th of an apparent heart attack at Rich Trances, Hopewell Farm near Midway, Kentucky. Son of Skip Trow was 17 years old. This seems like yesterday. Skip away. Was out there. No longer. Skip away. We're going to miss you. I'm hearing the music. That only means one thing. It is time to head up to our first break. And when we return, we're going to have our special guest of the week on. That guest is one John Patrick McDoolan, the daily racing form of Equibase, of handicapping, extraordinary ability. And you're only going to hear it if you stay tuned for more Winning Ponies. And I buy the bar, double round the crown, and everybody's getting down in this town. Ain't never gonna be the same. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horstradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Entrepreneurial Insights is your weekly excursion into the world of business ownership. Presented by Sunbelt Business Brokers, the leading business brokerage and intermediary firm in the world, Entrepreneurial Insights will examine critical issues that impact both existing and prospective business owners. If you own or want to own a small business, listen for Entrepreneurial Insights with John Davies, Pino Boccianello, and Matt Ottaway. Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's out the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer. Thank you for taking the time to join us each and every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, talking about the sport of kings here on Winning Ponies. Without further ado, second segment is where we have our special guest of the week. This week is no different. We have on Daily Race more columnist, Equibase chart caller, man who calls races, and gambler extraordinaire one, Mr. John Patrick McDoolin. Johnny, are you there? Hey, what's going on, Ed? How you doing? Hey, thanks for calling in, my friend. Appreciate it. Hey, John, before we get kicking here, we got a caller on board, and we're going to take him real quick, and then you and I are going to get into this week's duties. What do you think? Sounds good. All righty. And then we also have Deacon on board. Let's see if my man Dion can make it all happen. Deacon, are you there? There. Deacon, hey, thanks for the call. Uh, welcome to Winning Ponies. And uh, we understand that uh, you were actually watching and wagering on the Preakness. Yeah, I was. I uh, got, got a late start, and I, so I missed the first couple of races. I was real upset because the uh, winning ponies, they picked, was it the third or fourth race? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pretty upset about that. It was a pretty good payoff, and uh got busy. You know, I didn't tune in until right before the uh, the Preakness, and then I checked my numbers. I couldn't believe it. I won the 11th. <laughs> w- would that be the Dixie, where they smoked it? Yeah, it kind of worked out for me. I, I was I had work all day, so I just boxed the first four picks and uh, didn't really think of anything of it. I didn't have time to look at the numbers, and uh, yeah, it worked out real well for me. Made a couple bucks that day. Let's brag a little bit here. Did you have the super? Yeah, I did. Four thousand four sixty nine in the Dixie. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it's nice when you borrow with your buddies. And you look down. And go, oh, by the way, guys, I just won over four thousand bucks. <laughs> Drinks feels kind of good, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a little secret. I don't tell him when I get the numbers because, you know, we go watch the race all the time. And they're like, man, he's got something going on. I'll tell you what, the they, they really do. And I'll tell you what, for those that have really not ever the fooled with winning ponies, they've never had the actual time to, is it easy to use? Do you find it handy? It's, it's brain dead simple. I mean, you, just, you log in, you pick the races you want to watch, and uh, you hit them and it prints them out. If you can't read that, you really shouldn't be at the track. <laughs> Good point there. It's easy. It's economical. And, you know, the thing I like the most, I like two things that, and you, you tell me if you like anything in particular, because I always like to kind of bounce it off people. I like their speed ratings, the speed rating for this race, and the average of the last three, and especially their turf rating. And I love, like, if Mother Nature goes ugly, that we can actually change the weather tab. To me, well, that, really, that's really pretty cool. Well, I like is that you can go back and look at the history. You know, everybody claims to be the best, but you just go back and see the results, and they you know, proofs right in front of you. They're either they're good or they're bad, and you know, the proof right there in front of you. You can see how you would have done if you bet that day, or you know, be glad you didn't, or better yet, you look and say, "Hey, I did all right." They but never you know, change them up either. Testimonials yeah, are always exactly. there, and they never change it, good or bad. 
they're up there because we want you to know the actual truth. And uh, so you're actually a winning ponies man. Oh yeah, I've been doing it. You know, I've been doing it for about a year. I've really gotten serious in the last um, month. Yeah, it's, with it's fun. It's it's a lot more fun when you go to the track and you actually have a chance of winning. Good guys have enjoyed working with them, and I enjoy their stuff. And uh, I'll tell you what. For those out there that have not tried it, I'd say give it a try. Deegan, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. And we're going to jump into John McDoolin now. All Bye-bye. Th- thanks, Deegan. That's been Deegan. Winning ponies, man. like that. And yeah, John McDoolin, like are you still there, Mr. McDoolin? I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I do. And uh, thank you for calling in. I just wanted to jump out to Deegan real quick. Johnny, you, you've been with us, uh, so we're not going not gonna to go through the obligatory what you've been doing because you're kind of a, a mainstay. And uh, one, we're friends. Two, it's it's nice to have a friend that that is really a racing professional in in every way, shape, or form. John, let's jump right out to Preakness 135. Now, now, you know, you heard me kind of just going down, and of which all of you you knew every bit of part of it because you watched it all, and it's right. in the books. Look at the luck he goes down in history. Is this how you saw the race shaping up? Yeah. Um... I, I I like looking at Lucky. I told everybody all week I like looking at Lucky. Um, I was kind of surprised the race Super Saver ran, and uh, you know, the, the, as far as I know, they've had the the, the Preakness and the and the Church and the uh, Derby two weeks apart since you know I don't know maybe a hundred years or so, and, mm-hmm. and so for Pletcher to say that is is kind of silly, really. I mean, <laughs> that's what they're supposed to do is is run in two weeks. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I was pretty happy with looking at Lucky. Um, ran a big race. I'm kind of surprised they're not running them back in the uh, in the Belmont. The horse I really liked out of there, and and, and looking towards the Belmont, uh, Jackson Ben, I thought ran a pretty big pretty big race. I mean, he was right there for those quick fractions early, and he hung on late. I think in the Belmont, if you know, he won't have to run anything like those. And uh, Zito worked for for Woody Stevens, and. Uh, you know, Woody Stevens was the master of the Belmont. Huh? Woody went like seven of them or something. Uh-huh. And uh, so I, it's either that horse, uh, Jackson Bend, or I like the uh, – there's another horse that I, I'm zipping along on the Internet trying to find it right real quick, but I couldn't find it. Um, Zito's got another horse, and one of those two horses. I think Zito will be in the winner's circle at Belmont. Uh, New York is his kind of town, and uh, Nick Zito's uh, never – he's never a loss for words. That I always love to watch is New York Brogue uh, being put on display. Is there, is there saddling right in there, Mac? You know, you, you talked about a lot of a lot of runners there, and you know, uh, of ducking out, looking lucky, gone, super saver, gone, in Belmont one forty two. Does this take away from the race? Is it just kind of an afterthought now? I don't think so. I mean, it's still the Belmont, and and I mean, traditionally, it, you know, the Belmont, if, if it's not that. If you don't have somebody trying for the triple crown, it's it's you know year after year, it's not that huge of a deal. I mean, you, know, you get a lot of upsets in the race, and it's just not the same. I mean, if if you know you had somebody going for the triple crown, everybody in the world would be focusing on it. So it's not just an afterthought, but it it, it takes away some when uh, when you don't have a, a, somebody going for the triple crown. I think. You know, John, the, the best part about it, I like talking to a man of racing it's because they always don't agree and they, they they have their own fresh perspective sometimes we agree sometimes we won't but that's how i find out that i actually learn in, in my opinion 1978 I, i'm not going to say gee there wasn't the caliber of horses i mean if you go back and say a firm analogy or somebody's going to slap me right through the phone but i mean you know we actually have some different some different uh, preps there's a lot of money out there in line and sometimes the triple crown to me isn't 
isn't as necessary anymore because there's million-dollar races in multiple locations where there might have been one for a couple hundred thousand dollars back then, and it was considered big money. But I mean, there, there's the one in Charlestown. There's the one at Delta Downs. They're all over. Yeah, yeah, you, you're right about that. I remember back when uh, uh, the horse that ran at River Downs and, and won the Cradle Stakes, uh, it, it won the Derby. Uh, what was his name, Ed? That would be Spendabuck. Yep, spend a buck. Remember, he, he went to Jersey. They had the Jersey Derby that year, and they were talking about. I think he ran in that. It was like a three hundred thousand or something, or half a million. And at that time, that was like a huge deal. That was huge. He went and ran in it. Yeah. Was that the uh, Cherry Hill Mile, Mac? Uh, it might have been. It, it, it was either that or it, uh, I was thinking Jersey Derby, but that was a long time ago, and my brain's getting a little mushy here lately. So hardly. Uh, yeah, getting old. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure which race it was, but. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's big races everywhere, and, and so now it's it's a matter of, I mean, to me, if I was a trainer, it'd just be a challenge. I mean, you know, we haven't had a, a Triple Crown winner since forever, and, and to do it again would be, I mean, that in itself would would, would, uh, would be something I would want to do if I was training. You know, the money, I mean, the money is obviously important, but can you imagine the stud fee on a horse that won the Triple Crown? It would be astronomical. Actually, a $1,500,000 for for Stormcat, I think the economy dictated a little differently uh, a while back when they actually weren't having as many standing uh, for him. But, you know, with all these, all these big money races, John, I'm kind of torn between two lovers. I mean, do you, want, do you want the big trophy? Do you want to get on history? It's been 1978 and affirmed. I mean, it's been a long time. Steve Cawthon gets his 15 minutes of fame every Derby week, does he not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's about the only time you hear from him. Is uh, <laughs> he's pretty quiet? Yeah, yeah. Um, he just stays on his farm, I think, down in uh, down in Kentucky, and you never hear from him. And then they kind of pull him out, drag him out uh, at that time of year, and you hear from him for a few days, and then the Derby goes by, and that's it. So, well, and you know, it, it just drifted. It, you know, it drifted by this year. And Mac, I want to change up gears just a wee bit, if I may. New York is in a pickle. And the OTBs are bankrupt, and uh, they owe $17 million to Naira. Governor David Patterson, kudos to him, by the way, steps up, and there's a bailout loan in place throughout Saratoga and now beyond from what we understand. As a writer for the Daily Racing Forum, how important is it to have the New York circuit out there for racing? You know, everybody you talk to says it's huge, and I, I, I must be missing something. I mean, I, to me, it's, I, mean I, I like it because I, I make – piece of money betting up there but um you know i i mean it's important because you know you got you got florida you got california and you got new york i mean those are the great big ones and then you got churchill and, and churchill's meet uh you know other than the derby is is not uh you know it's not saratoga and the same thing with arlington i mean it, it's important but um I don't think it's going to be a problem. I, I think it's the same thing as always. These guys always cry and cry, and, and the uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease. And, uh, you know, it's the same thing. We've got to have slots. We've got to have this. We've got to have that. And I guess with, uh, from what I've read of it, that, that there's slot money. They just haven't recovered it yet. Or, or uh, and It's not like, you know, they're never going to get the money. Um, I think they were just screaming they, they, they were going to have to close in order to get some attention and, and get the things, you know, fixed. Which uh, evidently, I think Tuesday he had a, uh, the news conference, and I think they're going to lend him between fifteen and twenty-five million. But you know, if they if they put slots in Aqueduct, I think five companies uh, 
or, or bidding to do that. I mean, that you know, $25 million is not that much. I mean, it, it is, you know, I'd love to have that. But, but today's, today's world in business, it's not that much money. I, I agree. I, I really didn't think Tony Soprano actually existed until I see that New York can't get their uh, their act together to get this slots game unfolded. <laughs> there must be a lot of grift and a lot of uh, a lot of greasing of the wheel per se. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. John out of River Downs. I was reading on the front page of the Daily Racing Forum. I come online. A story by J.P. McDoolin. I'd like to go by the fancy initials there, J.P. In the daily racing form, feel good story of the year happened at Little River Downs last week. Yeah, um, it, it was great, Ed. Uh, it was the feel good story of the year for that week. Uh, the, the week before we had the feel good story of the year was uh, was the uh, handicapped kids. <laughs> we got a lot of feel good, John. Yeah, every week. And okay. So uh, this, this past week, um, it, it was a great story. The, uh, a girl. Um, we don't have much time, so I'm going to try to put it put it in a nutshell. There was a young girl. She turned 16. She she loved horses since she was a little kid, and and, and she met this horse. She worked at uh, she was in an an equine uh, uh, center. Worked there and and through school, um, she was there and working with horses. And she fell in love with this horse, and uh, she had a boyfriend. She was 16. She just turned 16. Got her license, and her boyfriend uh, was 18. He was trying to get come up with the money to uh, to buy this horse for, and one day her mom sent her to the store, and they were going down the highway, and evidently her truck hydroplane, and went into the other lane and hit a, a moving van head on, and uh, she broke both her legs. Her boyfriend was killed. Um, she broke both her legs and both her ankles, I believe, and one wrist. I mean, she was really this. This all happened just like in December of last year, um, so. Uh, she she came out of it and then obviously you know went into a terrible depression. She was she was going driving the car and her boyfriend got killed and you know she she didn't want to live and you know everything was terrible and uh, her mom started uh, her mom knew how much this horse meant to her so her mom started you know trying to to put it in her head that you know she needed to get better to go see the horse and when she was in a wheelchair and she didn't want to go see the horse when she was in a wheelchair she was afraid it might uh, it might scare the horse so she, you know she she went through all this rehab and. And got better, and they they said she, she you know she might walk again, she'd be in pain, but she'd never be able to ride horses again, and that and that was her love. So she, uh, her mom takes her out to see this horse finally, and, and the horse just the horse is kind of a cranky horse anyway, and uh, uh, she goes and sees the horse, and the horse you know starts neighing, and he's all happy to see her, and you know it's kind of a Hollywood kind of thing, and she starts crying and. You know, she's just living for this horse, and and I guess the uh, the owner of the horse had the uh, had an offer of like ten thousand dollars to sell the horse as a hunter jumper. I mean, he's a great big beautiful horse, and uh, the lady who had the horse, uh, you know, the 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 mom of the girl um, talked to the lady that had the horse, and the lady said, well, she had like thirty five hundred in it, she'd take thirty five hundred for it. So the the mom started selling all kinds of jewelry and things. Trying to, I think she's got four kids total, and and she's trying to sell stuff to get the the horse for her daughter because after losing her boyfriend, to lose this horse will be, you know, absolutely terrible for her. And so, uh, uh, that's the story. And then uh, Jamie Fowler, an agent at at Riverdale, heard about the story, 
And so he was talking to Joe Woodard one day about a mount, and Joe had told him, I, and this is another part of the story a lot of people don't know, but Billy Hayes, uh, he had a horse, and Joe said, you know, I think this horse would be a good hunter jumper. If you know anybody looking for a horse, you know, I'd give it to him. And then Jamie started telling him that story, and he said, well, let me tell Billy about that. So he told Billy Hayes, the car dealer from Louisville, I think he's got uh, places, I think he's got car dealerships in uh Indianapolis and Lexington and Louisville. He's mainly in Louisville. And more and, money uh, than God. Yeah, yeah. And so Billy Billy says, well, I'll buy the horse for her and, and give it to her. So he pays the 3500 and and buys the horse, and they presented it to the girl in the winter circle after the eighth race on Friday. Or was it Friday? What was it? Saturday. That's Saturday. Sorry, yeah. It was Saturday, yeah. So on Saturday they presented the girl, and she was just uh, her mom was crying, and the girl, the girl, I, I was down in the winter circle, and, and she was just stunned. I mean, you, you could tell she was like in shock; she couldn't believe it. And then, I guess a- afterwards, when when she went in the back and saw the horse, she kind of broke down and, and realized what what was happening and what was going on. And so she's thrilled to death. And, and Billy Hayes is a super nice guy. Um, there, there was a, a my daughter, a friend of hers, was looking for a horse, a hunter jumper. And and she was only like I don't know nineteen or twenty and and uh, so I called Joe and I said Joe I said do you, have you got any horses that you might be willing to give away He said I've got forty of them just come down to the farm and pick one out and take it So I, I thought that was pretty they've they've got a farm they've got between like forty and forty five horses down there that you know that that they don't want to race anymore and they just take care of them they feed them every day and they've got somebody there to take care of them. Which, that's a pretty classy thing to do. I mean, that that oh to me goodness. is uh, something else. And I and I know that uh, that girl had friends, and I, I think they've given uh, her and her friends like four or five horses total. Which I mean, that's that's pretty generous. He could he could sell those things to you know places. He could do all kinds of things. I you know I'm sure he could figure out a way to send them to killers if he wanted, because there's still people doing that, even though you know. But. Uh, you know, that, he's a pretty classy guy. Not a pretty classy. He's a very classy guy, Billy Hayes. Billy Hayes, Joe Woodard, and all their entire operation, Jamie Fowler, everybody that is involved in it, and our own John Englehart who brought them all together and made it all happen. I mean, and you say feel-good story of the week? That's a feel-good story of the year. I, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot of neat things that happen at a small track, aren't there? Yeah, there sure are, and um, I mean, there's a ton of things that you know no, nobody knows about, and if they you know come out, and if we'd actually spend some money on marketing, more people would be able to find this stuff out. I think I don't know. I, I can I concur with that last part. That part I I will concur. <laughs> Johnny, as a handicapper, and you're a damn good one at that. Do you have any plays for us for the Friday and or Saturday? Well, I'll tell you, there, there's an article I did. Uh, It'll be in tomorrow's paper. It's online now, but it's in tomorrow's paper. <laughs> Riverdowns actually has uh, the, the the winningest horse. Billy Hayes is actually the winningest owner in the country, and the winningest horse in the country is called Head to Toe. That horse is he'll be running at River in the next week or so. He's got he's won seven times, and then tied for second there are ten horses with five wins, mm-hmm. and three of those horses run on tomorrow's card. Ramblin' Sally is in the 8th. That's owned by Gennaro Garcia. Tokyo runs in the 10th. That's, that one's trained by Charlie Lawson. And Princess Christine is in the 12th. And that one's trained by Jill Woodard. Jill Woodard's actually got three of the 10 horses in the second place. Um, let me think who they are. Colca, Kay Patchett, and uh, Princess Christine. 
So, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's something to watch because, you know, a horse has won five races. It, it, and to me, I, you know, some of the races were for 2500 at Beulah, but, you know, the, the same horses are running 2500 at Beulah are running for four and 5000 everywhere else. So, uh, You know, it doesn't matter really what they're running for. That's the track structure, and that, that's what they have to offer, and it's their option to actually run there. But I don't care if you're running for $500 or $5 million. When you have the success that Hayes and Woodard have had, I mean, it's, it's taking national notice now. It's like when Rodney Prescott a few years ago was tied for second in the nation as far as wins. People were saying, well, it's on smaller circuits. It doesn't matter. Right. Russell, yeah. Russell Bays was killing him in Northern California for how many years? And we didn't turn our nose up at that because it wasn't Santa Anita or New York. You still have to go out there, apply your trade, in and out, day in and out. But Hayes and Woodard, I'm going to say, they get the national hat off. Uh, you know, Joe Woodard, nice guy. And uh, saw him down here, his new chapeau on in, uh, in, in the water circle, and about as nice as the day is long. And, and Billy Hayes, for you know, what he actually did for an injured young lady, and you know, making, making someone's life a little more brighter. I mean, these are the real people that, that are behind the stories. And you, as a columnist, I mean, you, you recognize that more than any. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you pick up on it. Seems like it really is every week or every few weeks. There's always something going on. You know, somebody's somebody's sick or, or somebody got hurt. And there's a fundraiser, and you know, everybody uh, pulls together and tries to help them. And it's it just, you know, horse racing is, is is a business. is It's a pain in the neck, but you meet a lot of good people and and a lot of good people that are willing to help each other. You know, John, I've always said it's a world within a world. And speaking of good people, I'm talking to one on the other line. John, on behalf of Winning Ponies, we'd like to thank you for your time, insights, and selections. Best of you on and off the track, and I know we're going to be seeing you in the winter circle soon, my friend. Thanks a lot, Ed. Good to be with you. John, we look forward to having you on again because it's always a pleasure. John McDowell, a man of racing, glad he called in and uh, shed a little light on what's happening. And we're about ready to head into a break, and when we return, we're going to be talking to another gentleman who can shed a little light on racing. He's going to give us a quick Ohio pick four. And then we're going to be hearing about some industry doings from our good friend Pistol Pete Aiello here on Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of Horse Stradamus, handicapper extraordinaire with the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. 
The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, Ed Meyer. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with Ed or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to ed at winningponies.com. Now back to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. And welcome back once again to Winning Ponies. I'm your host, Ed Meyer, and thank you for taking the time to tune in. Hope you tuned in to the last segment. That was John P. McDoolin, Daily Racing Forum, Echo Base, and Gambling Extraordinaire talking about some races and what's happened in River Downs. Column he wrote, good guy to have on. Speaking of another good guy, good friend of mine, Mr. Pistol Pete Ilo. Pistol, are you there? I'm here. Peter, good to hear from you, my friend. We got a great uh, little wager and you got me hooked on it big time bad, and I'm jonesing for it for tomorrow, and that is the Ohio Pick 4. Tell us all about it. Well, as I said last week, Ed, or actually I think it was two weeks ago, it's a very unique wager. Uh, it's the only wager that's offered on a consistent basis that incorporates two races from two different racetracks. As you know, in Ohio, we 7-7 seven and seven with our partners at Thistledown, and being that the 7-7 seven and seven racing card gets underway, uh, alternating races. We also have a pick four, which alternates. We started on the 11th race each and every day and incorporates the races 11 through 14, two races from Thistledown and two races from Riverdown each and every day. Best of all, it's a 50-cent wager. Got to love that. I mean, uh, it's pretty economical to play, isn't it? Well, you know, especially it, it, it is, especially, you know, uh, invariably in the Ohio racing sequence, at least for myself, maybe I'm speaking out of turn for some of the other listeners, but I always can find a horse that I'm reasonably confident will win the race, um, whether at an inflated price or a deflated price. So when you can get a signal, as all the pick four players will tell you, no matter what the denomination, it certainly makes the wager that much more appealing. Oh, it turns a pick three into a pick four, per se, if, uh, if you do like a single and or if you're just stretching and trying to uh, raise the roof, as they like to say. Pete, we got a pick four going tomorrow. Uh, any headway, uh, a couple horses that we need to be watching out for? Yeah, I didn't go through the whole sequence. I was uh, talking a little too much the last time I was on, so I apologize for that. Not at all. Not at all. Just went through the River Downs portion of the program. We're the even races tomorrow, so the pick four will start from Thistle. Our first pick four race is race 12. It's a two-other-than Ohio bred race. The morning line favorite, I think she's definitely vulnerable in here. The three festive girls, six to five on the morning line. 
I'd actually not be surprised to see if she went off somewhere above 6-5. to five. She may go favored. She may not. Either way, she's not for me. I like the five-horse Weather Heather off the shelf last time with an authoritative victory against the Knights Philly and Oriental Princess. The third-place horse in that race is one you want to know, though. None of your beeswax. She was a stake winner last time. So Weather Heather beat some nice horses last time. She's 7-2 to in the morning line. And I think Pete jumped off there again, and I know he's going to be coming right back in. So he's on the 12th race of River Downs. Right now he likes Weather Heather with Matua Dom 7-2 for Kathy Lowry. Kathy Lowry's winning 33%. That I can concur. And as uh, soon as Pete's on, my man Dion will let me know when he calls right back in. But uh, Weather Heather looks the part. And, uh, you know, I, I like Festive Girl, but as Pete said, you know, what? You know, it might be a little bit vulnerable, especially at that price. Ducky Cowens is winning at 43% of River Downs, and Teen Sarvis is winning at 25%. So you've got to love both of those. Uh, you know, it, it, when, when Pete calls it out there, you've got to remember, this is the guy that's calling the races on the, uh, on the roof, and he knows what's happening. And, you know, when he talks about horses that actually, uh, actually you know, need a playback, I'd say we, we need to more than just play them back. We need to really pay heed to this because just because a victory is a victory, he can tell, and he's shown me so many times where, you know, a horse is won by two or three lengths and then come back and, you know, Ed, you know, I think that was just a little flat of an effort, and he comes back and, you know, about 90% of the time he's right, maybe even more so. I mean, you know, because he's right there and he's calling the races, and he sees the moves starting to evolve about the half and the three-eighths and where they're coming around down the lane, and he sees who looks good and who's picking their feet up nice. Pizza, he's got a good eye for horse flesh. So he takes uh, Weather Heather, they're 7-2, Matua Dom. I agree, I agree with that one. And, you know, uh, but, uh, but, you know, just as, because it is a 50-cent ticket, I probably would throw in Festive Girl just because I'm a great fan and, and a good friend of Dougie Cowan's. Uh, and uh, Dean the Dream Service is, uh, is riding just incredibly well. Together they're teaming up. Get this. This meet 56% their winners. Now, if you can find something like that, jump all over it. So if Pete calls back in here, we'll uh, definitely get him to finish back up. And uh, we definitely had a question of questions for him. You know, he, he's more than just a, a race caller, a guy that works in the racing office, and, uh, you know, as he likes to say, a goof on the roof. And as I said that now, he just appeared. He's back on. Peter, are you there? Yeah, I was talking to myself. I don't know how long I was talking to myself. But, uh, <laughs> okay, we, we got the weather here. It won't the be 12, the last. And we're on to race number 14 now. All right, well, with 14th race, I was commenting that the two-horse Googless Day surveys of the morning line favorite. It's going out for the red-hot connections of Holton Oots, but this horse is not a horse that shows a distinct affinity for three-quarters of a mile, the distance of four to the 14th tomorrow. I kind of like the four-horse, Sir Jefferson, Ray in the race, 5-1 to one in the morning line, goes out for the very underrated Larry Laybarn. Little-known fact, he actually campaigned a horse at River Downs last year named Jody Slew, subsequently purchased and moved to the stable of Brett Calhoun. Those of you who wager on the fairgrounds will know her. She won two stakes at the fairgrounds and competed in this year's Kentucky Oaks. So this guy knows what he's doing. He also has an angle with this horse that I like. She t- he took money in his only race. It was a- back at Ellis Park in September. Didn't run a jump. Has been freshened since that race. I call it the grow-up angle. Five to one on the line. I'll definitely use the four, Sir Jefferson Ray. Okay, we got two out of four. And as I said before, that uh, you know you have the eye in the sky. And so many times I said at least ninety percent, if not higher. You know, horses actually act- 
exiting off of a win. And, I, and my argument to you is, well, Pete, you know, it was an impressive win. You'll say, Ed, it's a win, but it wasn't all that impressive. And, and I've, you know, I was saying to our listeners that actually, you know, you've actually corrected me so many times as saying, now this horse ran fourth, but ran a better race and was picking it up very nicely and looked good coming down the lane because you have the definitive eye in the sky approach. Well, you know, and the other thing about that is, and I've talked about it before on the show, and I'll talk about it again briefly here, is just playing off the condition book. You know, the, for example, one of the patented play against for me in cheap racing, whether it be Ohio or anywhere else, is if they have the bottom-level race, which is usually at the cheaper venues and non-winners in two-years condition, the horses that win the non-winners in two years stepping up to the uh, two-and-two-years races, in my opinion, that is the biggest jump in horse racing. You hear that the betters often say that a drop from maiden special weight to maiden claimer is the biggest drop. I say the biggest step up is A in two years to two in two years. Fair enough. And we know that you definitely turn a profit on the cheaper circuits, and I think that that, that is a heady task. And, uh, you know, we've, we've argued back and forth that, you know, hey, I like Belmont and or Churchill or California because they hold their form longer. And, you know, you come up with a great argument that they haven't. And, you know, as horse players, we only define our moments at the windows. Peter, you're a man of racing. You're just not a race caller, which you're a damn good race caller at that, and you have a very bright future. You graduated from the University of Arizona, and your scope far exceeds gambling, race calling, and uh, your work uh, in the racing office. I wanted to chat with someone who knows quite a bit about racing. You're a man of racing. I respect your opinion. Churchill Downs pulls out of the NTRA. I wanted to know, in your opinion, the NTRA, what was their initial rule? Has it changed? And more importantly, has it died? Well, you know, the first thing I'd like to say is I think uh, from a business standpoint, Churchill pulling out of the NTRA was a very good move. Um, To answer your question a little bit, I don't want to bash on the folks from the NTRA too much, but it was my understanding that the overall goal of the NTRA was to be, in effect, an organization much like the NFL or the NHL or the NBA, kind of be a figurehead organization uh, comprised of different factions of the business that could move together as a united voice. Um, a lot of that was due to or supposed to be uh, for legislative efforts, uh, which I definitely think that the, uh, the idea behind the NTRA was great, but I think that in, in, in practice it's really played out less than, less than effective. Um, I, I like to give an example for a lot of the folks uh, who may be listening out there that may not know of that uh, racing in Western Canada exists, but there's a model that's in place in Western Canada, actually in the province of Alberta, but I think it's definitely something that the NTRA needs to take a look at if they want to remain a successful organization, and the racing industry takes, needs to take a look at if they want to move forward with a united voice. The model in Alberta is actually made up of a group called Horse Racing Alberta. Now, Horse Racing Alberta was founded with the idea similar to the NTRA, but there would be a united voice of different factions of the industry. And that's exactly what they are. There's a board member, there's about 16, I think, board members, Two from each faction of the business, breeding industry, uh, racetrack management. They have uh, financiers. They also have uh, um, racetrack operators. Different racetracks have different seats on the board of Horse Racing Alberta. And, you know, oftentimes with government, they, there's a democracy in place. They take a vote, and sometimes the breeders win. Sometimes the tracks win. Sometimes the legislatures win. But at the end of the day, they've come to terms with the fact that whatever the result of their vote internally will be their voice externally when they move forward to talk to the legislatures. 
And, you know, I've talked with a variety of different people from Horse Racing Alberta who said that without that united voice, there would be no shot or would have been no shot at getting slot machines from the provincial government. Not only did they get slot machines, they got slot machines with one heck of a tax break. So racing kind of turned around in that province. And I think it's, a, it's proof in the pudding that the model of uh, unified voices from different factions of the business can and will work. I think that the issue in North America is that there's too many hands in the cookie jars and that there's too many people with ulterior motives. So as a united voice, there's no unity, so you can't really have a united voice. Well, Pete, the five-cent question is going to be, I think we all understand roughly what the NTR area is created for. More importantly, you even brought up a, uh, an analogy of uh, what, what they should be actually looking at for another model. Has it died? Has it outlived its usefulness? I don't think so. I think that, uh, you know, we talked about life cycles of products last year on the show with you, and I think we're kind of at that point with the NTRA. I think that they need to uh, take a look at their organization. I think that they need to sit down with industry leaders, track operators, breeders, um, you know, the whole, the whole sector of the business and say, look, this is what we want to do. This is how we need to do it. Is there any interest to do it? Because, frankly, I think that, you know, folks like National Gaming and Churchill Downs, they are such a big conglomerate corporation anymore that I don't know that, at least in, in their opinion, that they are not a unified voice enough to move forward regardless of the NTRA. In other words, if Churchill Downs can unite 10 racetracks and say, here is the opinion of our 10 racetracks and our 10 executives, that might be a unified voice enough for Churchill to say, look, we're not going to pay you 75000 to try to, to try to smooth over the, you know, the government. Fair enough, Pete. Peter, I'd like to thank you for your time, your insights, and especially in the NTRA because it's a hot issue, and the more you read, the more questions you have. Thanks a lot, and we know we're going to be hearing from you on the roof, my friend. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Pete. That's from Pete Aiello, man of racing, voice of River Downs. Going to give you about two seconds' worth of some great handicapping here because the races are worth it. Mammoth Park kicks open this Saturday, 50 days, $50 million. On Saturday, the Elkwood, $100,000. Take a look at it. Also, take a look at Arlington Park in race number nine, and it's on the turf. we got the American. Uh, it's, it's, it's the American 2000 Guineas, and it really looks tremendous to me. I like Bay to Bay, Robbie Alvarado, Brian Lynch. Incredible there. The 10th race is the Arlington Classic. I like the three working for hops, I think, which is beer. The ninth race from Belmont on Saturday, and I come up with this. And I come up with a seven. It's the Galima Girl. It's J.J. Castellano for Christophe Clement jumping off in the handicap, who will be the big-time favorite. The tenth race at Thistle on Saturday is going to be the four. That's Macrame. I'm going with Dean Sarvis and Dougie Cowens. The Last Brer at Hollywood, the eighth race, a very nice race indeed. And I go to Dixie Trooper. JoJo Talamo, and then rounding out my picks is the 10th race at Churchill, and that's the Louisville handicap. I go with the one bear pass, 6-1, Frederick Len Clue aboard. Well, time flies when you're talking thoroughbred racing. Winning ponies would like to thank our guest, Mr. John McDoing, our special guest of the week, Mr. Pete Aiello. Pistol Pete and his insights into the sport and his Ohio pick four wager tidbits. So until next week, may all your winners be many. And your photos be few. Good luck and night, everyone.
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.